Let's turn in our Bibles. And Chuck, that was so great. Thanks for coming up to visit us. Um, we're so excited about what God's doing in Missouri. I say that in Missouri. How do you say that? Like a local, bro. Yeah, Missouri. <laughs> Get my Texas accent down. <laughs> I'll be coming back. I'll be brother, brother Ron. Ron. Ron was ministering. I'm sorry, I'm joking around so much. Ron was down in Texas. He loves Texas. He loves Houston, right? No. <laughs> Matthew chapter 9. I just want to look at a couple verses together. And we had an amazing conference in Baltimore this past week. Convention was just so special. Some of you were actually were able to be there for some of it. And... Um, I just think it's so amazing to be a part of something that's so much bigger than us, and that's the body of Christ. And I just want to talk about our eyes for a minute. Um, and I want us to think about our eyes and what a healthy eye is and what an unhealthy eye is. And this is kind of an odd message to leave on, but um, I just this came to my mind, this message, several times. And I was thinking about um, the story that we read, and I have a new Bible here, and so when we think about our eye in Matthew chapter 6, the eye is really the gate to the soul, isn't it? It really is the doorway to the soul. And um, the eye is the, the eye, according to Job, Job said that my eye affects my heart. And whatever we're looking at in our life, we have, an, we have an eye that is also the eye of our soul, which we don't see. And that's something that's beholding the imaginations, it's beholding our thought patterns, it's beholding things that are in our mind and in our heart. But we also have a physical eye. And the condition of that eye, if that eye is a healthy eye, then the whole body, our whole soul body, is going to be filled with light. Do you ever talk to someone that just sees things totally in such a twisted way that you can't even imagine that they perceived it that way? Yeah, that's an unhealthy eye. Then there are those that just see the goodness of God in everything. And you're like, I don't know how you could see God's goodness in that. And they're like, yeah, it's just so clear. It's right there. It's like in the book of Jeremiah when it says that the righteous will not see the heat when it comes. And so Matthew chapter 6, I just want to read this in verse 19. Lay not, and it's good to have Pastor Tony Pilata up here. He was my assistant pastor for a few years, several years up here, he's been, he's got so much blood and sweat and tears invested in this part of Philly. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, thank God for Pastor Tony and his wife, Anne Marie. Matthew chapter 6, lay not, up your lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth where moth and rust does corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. And then it just goes on here to talk about the treasure. And in verse 21, it says, where your treasure is, there will your heart also be. 
Uh, one thing that can give us a good picture of what's most valuable to us is what we spend most of our time thinking about. And that could be either something negative or toxic, or it could be something that's full of faith and just joy. If I'm thinking about something a lot and spending a lot of time thinking about something, that's really where my heart and my treasure is. And, and it says here, where your treasure is, there will your heart also be. And in verse 22 is the verse, before we go to a parable I want to read to illustrate this. Verse 22, the light of the body is the eye. What does that mean, light of the body? You know, when you have a window, these windows here are, they are shaded, so there's not a lot of light coming in here. That could be like the eye. Like if the eye is clear and it's a healthy eye, then a lot of light is coming in. And there's, you can, when the light is coming in through the windows, you can see things defined very very clearly. There's no shadows, there's no question, there's no obscurity about things because the, because the, the, the window is clear. Same thing with the eye. With the eye. When the eye is healthy, then what we perceive, we have just amazing discernment, amazing clarity, and there's no question about things, is there? Because our eye is healthy. And so Jesus here is speaking, and he says, the light of the body is the eye. And that's very clear. The eye is like the window to the soul. And if the eye is clear, then there's going to be light in the, in the body. Sometimes people don't have much light in their soul or clarity or purpose or direction because their eye is not healthy. And the eye needs to be addressed. The eye needs to be cleared. It needs to be, uh, it needs to be redirected. It needs to be healed. And if, there, if therefore thine eye be single, then thy whole body shall be full of light. Single eye. Having a single eye means that I'm just looking at Jesus Christ in my life. You know, there's a lot of things that we could be looking at today. We could be looking at the, at the news. We could be looking at our finances. We could be looking at our family issues. We could be looking at what's going to happen next week. We could be looking at what somebody is doing in our life that's damaging or hurting us. But if we are singly looking at Jesus Christ and say, you know what? My gaze is going to be on Christ and not on that situation or that problem. Then my, light, my eye is going to be filled with the light of God. And I'm going to have definition and clarity. And I keep repeating myself because I want to make a point here. Is that sometimes, sometimes when, the eye is, when, when our eye is not single, but we're looking at a lot of different things. You ever talk to someone? And we all do this the age we live in. You're talking to them and they're, you're, they're talking to their phone and there's this, this is going on and that's going on. And it's like, wow, you know, can I just, can I get some eye contact? <laughs> some of us older generation just are all about eye contact. Mm -hmm. But now, now it's cool. Now they say in, this, in the sales world that if you are meeting with millennials, come with your iPad, come with your phone. And when you're talking to them, look at your phone as you're talking. Because they're going to concentrate better. <laughs> That's true. Wow. It's like, okay. And that works. So, but when our eye is single, when we're looking at Jesus Christ, our, our body is filled with something else. We're not filled with the negativity of the circumstances. We're not filled with the pressures of the day. We're not filled even with, wow, what's going to happen in our church? We're just filled with Jesus Christ. We're filled with his plan. We're filled with his grace. We're filled with his love. We're filled with his joy. We're filled with 
excitement and vision and we're filled with not ourselves. Uh, sometimes, here's another way you can tell where your heart is at, not by only what you're thinking, but what are you talking about? What is the narrative in your life? Well, when you sit down with someone and it's like immediately all about what's going on in their life, and this is, this is not right, and that's not right, and this person did me wrong, and on and on and on. Though there are times for that, but when it's every time that we sit down and we talk with people, and that, then there's a, there, our eye is looking at the wrong thing. And so what's, how does our eye get, how does our eye get healed? Well, in verse 23 it says, But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. And this word evil is like an interesting word. It just means infected. It just means that if your eye is infected with something, then there's going to be darkness in your soul. And I don't need to really, I think that's very clear here. The evil eye. You ever heard of that? They just gave me the evil eye. It's a little, that's, that's not really correct the way it's said. An evil eye is just infected. It's infected with something. It's infected with, with injury, with wounds, with um, something that happened 30 years ago to someone. It's, an, it's, it, it's infected, it's a, it, it could be offended, it could be upset, it could be, and, it's, and it affects the way I perceive everything in my life. <clears throat> and that's an evil eye, it's poneros, infected. And if the eye is evil, if it is, if, if it is, if it is infected, if it's unhealthy, then the whole body is just filled with darkness. Just We can't see things clearly. We can't see the plan of God clearly. We look at ourselves and we say, God rejects me because I'm not a good Christian. Or, well, guess what? <laughs> Did Christ come and save us when we were good people? No. Romans 5, 5, 6, and 7, and 8. Our three-point our three st- status when Christ came, we were enemies of God. <laughs> I don't know how worse we can be for Christ to come and say, enemies of God. We were in unbelief, absolute unbelief, not even believing. This is like nothing. I don't believe God for anything. And with number three, we were without strength. No strength. And that's the zero platform where I start every day, my every day of my Christianity. I was an enemy of God. I'm without strength. And I am... A sinner. That's where my day starts. And in, in Romans chapter 10, it says that God has concluded all of us in unbelief so that he might have mercy on us all. That's where our day starts. Our relationship with God, the way we look at things in our life, can't begin with what I've qualified for. I've been a Christian for 30 years. I've never sinned. Any of those big, bad 10 sins. You know, whatever, how many sins there are. I don't know what they are. We can't start that. Our relationship doesn't start there. Our eye has to be looking at something different. Our eye looks at Jesus Christ. And I just want to go turn over now to <clears throat> Matthew chapter 20, and I want to illustrate what I'm talking about here. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 20. <clears throat> and uh, one of the most interesting parables, verse 1, that we read about, one of the most interesting stories. Now, we know parables are a story, and we don't build doctrine out of parables. Sometimes people err in their doctrine because they're, they're building doc, doctrine from a parable. Parables are just to illustrate one great point. Verse 1, For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man, Matthew chapter 20, verse 1, 
that is a householder and went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. This is the way things worked back in that day. And it kind of happens today in the city, doesn't it? You have a, you have a, a, a businessman that needs laborers and they go down to the market and there are these men standing around waiting to be hired. And before they're hired, there's an agreement of how much they're gonna get paid. So he goes down there to hire laborers for his vineyard. And when they had agreed in verse 2 with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. So he goes down there about the third hour, which is 9 o'clock in the morning. And he's checking on his laborers. He goes back down to the vineyard, I mean down to the marketplace. And he sees more standing idle in the marketplace. And he says to them, go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way. Okay? And then he went about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, which is 12 and about, and about um, 3, and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out, which is the end of the day, and he found others standing idle and said unto them, why stand ye here all day idle? And they said unto him, because no man has hired us. He said, go, he said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, thou shalt receive. Okay, so you have these three or four shifts of labors at different parts of the day going into the same vineyard. I don't know if you've ever worked in a vineyard. I've worked in strawberry fields when I was living up in New Hampshire, and um, that was fun. I thought, this is going to be a fun job to eat strawberries whenever I get hungry. I must have eaten so many strawberries. I just, I just quit. <laughs> I can't do this. I was just so sick of strawberries. But as you're working, the guys that start at the beginning of the day usually are the ones that are doing most of the work. They're getting all the material out there, the crates and everything. And there's a lot of work. And then there's this group of people that come at the end of the day and they work for one hour. Okay? And they said to him, no man has hired us. I will pay you what is right, and you shall receive it. And then verse 8, when the even was come, the Lord of the vineyard said to his steward, call the laborers, and I will give them their hire. I'm going to pay them. Call everybody in from the field. It's getting dark, and I'm going to pay them, beginning from the last unto the first. So what he's going to do is, is he's going to pay the people that came last first. He's going to pay them their, their, their wage first. And so verse 9, when they came that they were hired, I'm reading too fast. <laughs> and when they came that were hired about the 11th hour, they received every man a penny. And when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more. And they likewise received every man a penny. And they that received it, they murmured against the good men of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour. They worked only one hour. Can you imagine that? Working all day. And these guys show up at the, at the job site. You can imagine Don in this situation. These guys show up at the job site one hour, le at the, one hour left of the day. You know, What would you do if everyone shows up an hour before, before 5 p.m.? Might as well just go home. You're not getting anything. We've been working here all day. You're not getting a penny. And that has made them equal to us. God forbid that these people be equal to us. Wait a minute. They are equal to us, which have borne the burden, the heat of the day. We've been working all day. And you, the, you, the foreman, 
have made these people equal to us, these loafers showing up at the last hour of the day. You made them equal to us. And I think that there would have been a protest at the job site, wouldn't there? I think, I think every one of us in this room would have had some kind of issue yeah. there, right? Wouldn't we? I would. I'd be like, wait a minute. What's going on here? But he answered one, but he answered one of them in verse 13 and said, friend, friend, I like that. Jesus here is not talking to these people in an antagonistic, uh, ditchful way. He is speaking to them as friends. And he says, friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst thou agree with me for a penny? Take that which is thine and go thy way, and I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. So Jesus is saying here, he said, didn't we agree on a price? Wasn't there already a contract? Wasn't there already something that I said? Am I going back on my word, Jesus says here? And that's what the Lord here, the Lord of the vineyard, is really Jesus Christ, symbolically Jesus Christ. And the laborers are really uh, a picture of mankind throughout history, from Genesis all the way up to the end time. And we are these vineyard, we are these laborers that have showed up at the last hour. We have been contracted by Jesus Christ in the last hour of time. These are the last hours of human history that we know of. And Jesus is saying here, did I not make a contract with you? Did I not speak to you and give you what I, what I promised? And this is a picture of the grace of God. That in the beginning of time with the prophets and these men that were um, believers of old could look at the last days, the age of the church, the grace age, and say, how can these people get so much blessing and so much grace when we, the prophets and the, the apostles and all of these people, all of us have borne the brunt of just getting the Bible written and just being slain and being persecuted. And then you have these Christians show up at the, at the church age, at the end of time, and they are just getting the same thing, and they're getting all of these blessings. That could that could actually be an attitude. But let's make it practical. Maybe this is something that's happening in our life today, where we look at our qualifications and we say, you know, God, I've been faithful for so long. I've been so good in this area. I've done this. I've given that. And God, I actually am entitled to something more than just a penny. And entitlement is, the, is a psychology that just goes against grace. Like entitlement is what this world is trying to beat into people's heads. That you deserve something because of the fact that you're just an amazing person or that you are just, you know, that you're at a disadvantage. Entitlement means that I believe that I am due something. People owe me something. I am owed <laughs> You know, if you ever feel that way, I have. You ever feel that way, that you're owed? You know, maybe you are owed. Maybe that's legitimately, you owed are owed something. Maybe, maybe you've been a Christian for 700 years and you're in the church for 900 years. And you just are owed so much. And I'm not saying, I'm not talking to you guys, but we could be in a place where we feel that we're so, God owes me something. And then when the, when the rewards come out and when the time of, of, the dispensing of the funds come out, someone gets 
something as if they were equal to me. Whoa, that is like a hard pill to swallow. Who is that guy or who is that girl to receive something equal to me? I've been around, I entitle, I deserve so much more. We have to make sure, and I'm going to get this, I'm going to correlate this with the I in just a second, then I'm going to close, is that when we start thinking in entitlement because we have perceived something that disturbs our sense of justice, then we get, we get an infection in our eye. Do you ever have a, an eye infection or pink eye? Yeah. That's not fun, is it? Pink eye. Yeah, it's just not fun. An infection in the eye. And that can happen when we let something that's foreign into it. Whenever we start thinking in, in a sense of entitlement, you know, we all do that. Maybe we, are, we act Christian and we say, oh, no, no, that's okay. I'm whatever. But inside we're like, no, I really deserve that. <laughs> when we start thinking in entitlement, that's anti-grace. That is anti-God. That's anti-Calvary. That's anti-gospel. That's, anti, that's anti-God in every way. And actually what happens here is Jesus asks him a very pointed question. He says this. He goes, take what is yours, take it, and go your way. And I will give unto this last even as I did unto thee. And he said in verse 15, is it not lawful for me to do what I do, what I will with my own? What does that verse sound like to you? It sounds like to me, Romans chapter 9, that I will show mercy unto whom I will show mercy. It is not unto him who runs or to him that determines or willeth, but it's unto, it is according to me in Romans chapter 9, God says, to give grace to whom I will give grace. And this is beautiful because when it says here, Jesus asks this question, is I evil because I am good? Think about that for a minute. These laborers were actually accusing the Lord of the vineyard that he was evil, that he was a bad guy. You know, this can happen in Christianity. We can actually accuse God and say, God, you are evil because you showed good to this person that just totally did not deserve it. Let's take it another level. Maybe someone gets blessed in their life in a mighty way and you are still waiting for an answer to prayer and you have not received that blessing in your life. And you've just been, you've been so good. You've been so awesome. Like it's could, could turn into the elder brother complex where the elder brother says to the father when the prodigal son comes home and he says, have I not been the best son and done everything you said for me to do and I've done all the chores and I'm amazing and I've never sinned and I've never spent my money on prostitutes and on the town and all this. And, and how is it that when, when the prodigal son, when your prodigal son, he doesn't even say brother. He says when, when, he's, when your son comes back who has spent all of his living on, on, on crazy living that you throw a party for him. And then the father says to the son, who was very poor, by the way. This son was very poor in his soul. He said to the elder brother, he said, you could have asked me at any time and I would have thrown a party for you. I would have just at any moment. This is the way, this is what we're dealing with in the world. Because people today, and it's very easy for us to be the same way, is to call God evil because he does something good in somebody else's life. We have a problem sometimes perceiving and processing God's blessing in other people's lives. 
Maybe someone gets totally forgiven for something that they totally do not deserve. And I have maybe a problem with that. You know, maybe I'm struggling with that. And if we do, that's fine. We go to God and say, God, I'm struggling with this. That's okay. It really is okay because we can come to God with all the things going on, all the craziness in our heart, and God's not going to cast us away. We come to God with our issues and we say, God, I'm laying this at the cross. I don't understand. And that many times I think is 80% of our prayer life is, God, I don't understand. (laughs) It's okay. That's our prayer life. That's the prayer life of a grace believer who's walking by faith. God, I don't understand this. How did this work like this? And Help me. And we go to God and we say, God, I don't understand. How did he get grace? And Jesus says here, did you call, are you calling my eye evil? Because I showed grace, because I was good to this person. And I think it, the, the grace believer, the person that is a grace believer that's established in grace in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 9, whose heart is established in the, great of God, in the grace of God, sees grace poured out in somebody else's life, and we should say, yes, hallelujah, that's awesome. That's great. This person who was a sinner of all sinners just got an amazing grace. He just got blessed by God. Let's all rejoice. And that's what the angels do when we get saved. They rejoice. Because this is the way God thinks. An infected eye is like, oh, you know what? That person, I don't know how they got that gift in their life. They must have done something wrong. They must have bribed somebody. They must be wheeling and dealing. And how did they... How did they get that? Or, or why is God not answering my prayer? And this is so important to me. God hasn't answered my personal prayer. We just say, God, you know what? It's not about me. It's not about what I am entitled to. It's not how much I've worked. It's not how good I am. Because human goodness in the eyes of God and human effort and human work is just going to, it's just, it's not part of God's economy. It's not part of God's um, Arithmetic. It's not part of God's formula for success. The formula for success is just rejoice in the grace of God. The formula for success is when I say, God, I don't deserve even a drop of water, but I'm getting this whole cup of cold water in Jesus' name. I'm going to rejoice in that. Pride says, oh, I don't deserve that. I'll work for it on my own. That's human pride because, you know, when we receive something for just working one hour, why these, all these other guys are getting the same thing. I bet these guys, I, you know, put yourself in the place of the guy who has worked only one hour. Wouldn't you feel a little bit like, I don't know, you know, a little, little awkward? Like these guys are getting all this, I'm getting the same money as these guys. And we'd almost want to be apologetic a little bit, right? Like, you know, I'm sorry, guys. I don't, you know, I wasn't really in control of this. And it just happened this way. And. And they're all kind of looking at you like with the evil eye. We've all felt that evil eye, right? Oh, yeah. yeah maybe God's blessed you in a, in a certain way, and then kind of people are looking at it. Maybe there's a black jaguar in the parking lot. Hey. <laughs> How did Henry get that? <laughs> we were at breakfast the other day. He pulls up in that thing. I was like, Whoa. <laughs> A little evil eye going on there. <laughs> you know, it's. I'm just gonna close with this: is that you know, maybe, maybe I'm not saying this is absolute, but maybe this is the case. It could be. I don't know. God would have to tell you, but maybe there are not. There are some answered, unanswered prayers in my life because 
I'm living with an infected eye, and I'm not seeing the grace and the goodness of God when it comes. You know, maybe I'm not seeing it. And so what do we do? We just got to go to the cross. The cross is that oil that we heard about earlier. That's that oil, and that's that place of healing where I say, God, I'm laying all my issues here. I don't know how to deal with it. I don't know what to do with it. God, I'm just going to leave it here at the cross. You know, Because all of us face different interesting situations with family, jobs, whatever. We lay it at the cross and we say, God, I don't deserve anything, but I'm just going to trust you that you are good. And it's not just some motto, God is good all the time. It's, sometimes we can get into that and just forget the whole meaning of it. But just be a real greater grace believer where I say, I'm going to rejoice in this and I'm going to look at God and I'm going to start counting my blessings. It's an old hymn, you know, that's an old hymn. Count your blessings, count them one by one, see what the Lord has done. And then what's the other, what's the second part of that verse? Count your blessings, name them one by one. I grew up in a Baptist church, so you should know this. They should count your blessings, name them one by one. You will see what the Lord has done. What was the next verse? <laughs> All right. You will be surprised what the Lord has done. We came into vineyard in the last hour. Yeah, we don't know. Good old Google, huh? It will surprise you what the Lord has done. Sometimes when my wife and I are getting stressed out about things, we'll just say, well, let's just look at God's history with us and we just start counting our blessings and then the eye gets healed and we start perceiving things differently and because you know then we start seeing God where he was just invisible before some people say I don't never see God in my life well just look at the blessings that God start there start counting your blessings and look what God has done let's look what God how far God has taken us and I think if we look at the last five years here in this church to see where God has taken us you see a pattern, don't you? And that pattern is going to continue because this is God's church. And we got some great leadership here. Pastor Kyle, I'm so, I've known him since I was 17. I mean, he was 17. <laughs> since he was 17. And he's kind of stuck with me. He's still psychologically somewhat normal hanging out with me. Because God is good. God is very good. And we can behold him. We can trust his goodness. And when we feel that infection coming on, we just have to say, Thank you, Diana. I just got Diana. <laughs> Diana just sent me the link to that song. We will see the goodness of God. And we just say, God, you know, you've given me this. You've given me this. You've saved me from this. And you've done. And it's just the goodness of God. And then we begin to build up healing. And so healing for an evil eye, a jaded eye, a cynical eye, a pessimistic eye, a fearful eye, a depressed eye, a sad eye, an angry eye, um, a comparing eye, a judgmental eye. All that can be healed by just looking at Jesus Christ. And just look at the Gospels and just start reading the Gospels about Jesus, what he did for people. And that heals us because we live in a world where I, people's eyes are just jaded. They're infected. They're looking at us. You know, they drive by. What are they doing at that church? You know parking lots getting bigger you know more and more cars are in there and what's going on there and you know we all our pods and i'm going to close with this our pods and everything our pods and our moving truck arrived yesterday and just kind of 
And so like you pull into the neighborhood and it's like the first thing you see is our moving trucks. And, and as they were coming in, people were coming out of their house. You know how it is in Doylestown. It's great, but you know, you know how it is. It's a small town. People come out and they're all looking at, you know, they're all like looking like, you know, what's going on there. So my neighbor comes out and she goes, you know, I'm gonna go down there and just talk to them, tell them it's all, everything's okay. It's like they're moving trucks. We're moving. <laughs> we should be okay. <laughs> People don't know how to process things. And when we don't know how to process things, just look at God's grace. When you don't know how to process something in your life, look at God's grace in your life. When you have a conflict or marriage problem or a great need in your life, just look at God's grace. Feast on that. When that happens, the eye is healed and we begin to have light into our body, into our soul. And things become clearer to us. And we begin to have discernment and understanding. Because God's going to do great things here in this church. He really is. I, I, I just know it. How do I know that? Because God told me. <laughs> God really spoke to me. He said, I'm going to bless this church. I'm going to bless it. There, why is God going to bless it? Because there are people here that have been here for years when it was tough. There are people that have come in the last hour <laughs> that are new. And God's going to bless this church. He's going to bless it. Why? Because God wants to reach this neighborhood. God wants to reach this area. God wants to reach this part of Philly. God wants to reach your neighborhood because he's a good God. He's a God that can be trusted. And his gentleness and his grace makes us great. Amen. 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 So let's close in prayer.